0: Hello everyone and welcome to another Gnosis Hour with Lady Light and...
1: Felice, kia ora everybody, how you doing?
0: Glad to be with you today and last time we were with you we were talking about the deconstruction of the personality and the dead zone and today we're going to talk about pretty much the opposite of that. So you want to kick off?
1: Okay, so what is the opposite of the dead zone? Uh, A place of kind of non-being i guess um it feels very uh vast and kind of unfilled with things uh it would probably be what uh lady lights just coined as the god zone which is um a place of absolute empowerment i guess and the reason i wanted to dive in on this particular topic or area of inquiry is that i think that a lot of spiritual traditions focus very much on being the, the humble, being humbled and sort of quieting ourselves, just kind of waiting uh, for this thing to descend on us. And um, so we're, we're casting from New Zealand. In our culture as well, we have a, uh, we're, we're quiet people. We are not confident people. We're sort of the opposite of Americans, where um, we'll say sorry all the time. And, um, it's very much, there's, there's not a lot of assertion or, or power in it. So I want to talk about, cause I think great beings do have strength and they do have power. And, um, that is an element that needs to be allowed to come forth just like everything else. That, that isn't something that needs to be cultivated. Um, yeah. So, so what do you think the role of strength, will and assertion, and real empowerment is in the spiritual journey.
0: Well, I think it's the ultimate, um, the ultimate, I guess there is no end goal, but the ultimate, um, let's say journey, is to being completely one uh, with the source that creates us, the evolving, creative, revolutionary, evolutionary source, and to be able to embody all of that with complete humility. Mm. And I think on that journey, you know, as we, as we go, those of us who are really immersed on the path and um, experiencing um, initiations of love, wisdom, and power, one thing you really do learn is how quickly uh, humility has to come into play. Mm. And I think that a lot of people get very confused about that. And they're, um, you know, so we're not talking about like a personalized Um, persona of a god being sitting on a cloud directing affairs here on earth. We're we're talking about like a massive, sentient, omniscient, omnipresent, infinite spirit of infinite intelligence, architectures of intelligence um, that we are part of and we are made in the image of by way of our actual imagination that we can imagine and we can create from that imagination. And if if our, um, I believe our let's say, our um, curriculum here on Earth is to become masters of energy and masters of love, uh, we have to step into our power. Mm. We have to step into our full power. And I think religions um, have all, you know, there's a there's beautiful core truth in all the world religions, and it's pretty much the same. It's pretty much as lo- love, you know, live a life of love, find, yeah. your, find love. But I think we often confuse that with emotional love. And I think there is this other love. There are many, many different levels of love. I mean, love between um, lovers, love, love between parents and children, uh, love between friends. And then there is a kind of um, an elevated love that is a force, a universal force, an mm. unconditional love uh, that is, is actually doesn't have emotion. Mm. It's above human emotion, but can permeate and um, be directed by human emotion. And it's an ultimate creative source and, and I feel that the journey to being um, a god being, let's say, uh, that sounds really arrogant to a lot of people. And um, yet, if most of the world religions that people are taking the leaf uh, you know, out of the, the book from um, all have this encoded in them. Yeah. You know, That's that saying that this is the role, that you, you're moving through all these phases to become Uh, You know one with your divine nature and like Judaism calls it the Adam Kadman. I think in Tibet it's called the rainbow body Uh, another tradition is called the diamond light body and um, You know in Christianity Well, Jesus said do you not know you are gods and it's called the kingdom within So it's like why why do we listen to the voice of these religions? Which even if we're atheists we are influenced by because they influence the culture some ways very good, you know, understanding right and wrong and not harming others, and some ways in a very suppressive and a very oppressive way. Mm. And I think um, as we're moving out of religion as a way to go forward, um, for the most part, I think there's 3% of people that, that are part of a religion. And I have nothing against religions, but we're, most people are moving more into a spiritual way of like finding um, their own inner consciousness, the God within, you know, living from the heart. Uh, moving away from a dogmatic way of seeking seeking that Um, that we are inventing um, new ways which of course are very old ways and they have to do with inner initiations uh, being in that deep listening path of listening to the heart listening to the guidance of the infinite spirit within us and stepping up and that can be um, you know physical mental emotional and energy wise and you and I were just having a really great talk about food and all the confusion about food and mm. really all the confusion about prescription, prescription about sexuality, about diet, et cetera, that's been imposed on us for those of us who want to seek our inner divinity. And mm. like, I feel like it's a time of like throwing all of that away. And um, for me, just to kind of end, end this thought, um, the goddess traditions... Um, which I was very steeped in as a, as a younger woman, really are calling to me again right now because they're very much about the richness and the beauty of the body and this earth, the body of this earth, and finding the divinity in that and being fully embodied and bringing, bringing divinity completely into the body. So therefore everything becomes sacred. Even the profane is sacred. Mm. And really the only rule is do not harm.
1: Yeah, well, um. Yeah, I think um, what something that you were saying just a couple sentences ago was about how I guess we really have to have a level of our own spiritual sovereignty and um, be, be self directed if as if the guru game is no longer um, super valid. I mean, I think it's useful to, to have masters and teachers, but somehow. Something in the being needs to, if, if we have a strong desire to develop and cultivate something in ourselves, then we need this assertion power. And I could refer to it in using different uh, systems you, that you might recognize. I might say it's the third chakra, it's Manipura, it's like a yellow kind of a mental energy which is about projection and um it's, it's driven to control, I guess, that I guess we, yeah, we need this level of control. Um, and I think there might be a, a little bit of a case in some traditions that, well, you can go all the way to the top, I think, by, by kind of releasing everything and, um, and just kind of surrendering, but that would be under a certain circumstance, perhaps a monastic circumstance. But if, if we're in the world where there's a lot of wayward influences, um, the general tide of our society and culture is, is counterproductive for um, someone who wants to cultivate in themselves this God zone or this this love or this empowerment. So that we'd need that that third center energy. Or if I was talking about the tree of life, it's like in the middle you have the heart, and that's that's really where we want to be based, so we can access everything else at, from a center point. But you you still need your Mars. You need your right hand, which it does things in the world. It goes out there and it creates action. It creates change. And, uh, yeah, that, that is important, uh, and a balanced part of your component that if we skip that whole step, then maybe later on when we're at some higher level, some, you know, other aspects of ourselves will get way out of control if, if we never develop the capacity to, um, to be in control. And, to, to create boundaries and things. Um, I, I just wanted to look at um, some examples actually, because I think this is a really, this is a, I find this topic really interesting because on the one hand, there's being of service, there's being humble, um, and there's coming into love and unity. And that is obviously profoundly important. And perhaps the central, uh, as, as Lady Light was saying, that's perhaps the central truth of, of spirituality is to find connection union um, through uh, singularity or no self or something of that sort. But then, then there also is this um, power of the mind to be like, this is how I'm doing it. This is what I believe. And this is the reality I create, which is more individualized. It's more a decision. And then so then we have examples of people in the in our actual world in our shared world who become gurus and teachers. And um, I can think, I don't want to get too much into into the details or the specifics, but there have been quite a few yogis and people who run entire organizations who really other people are looking to them as a kind of a moral compass. And then it comes out after five years, 10 years, that there's a lot of weird stuff going in the background, that somehow there's a relation with this power somehow with like sexuality and like, um, yeah, there's a strong draw it's like compelling and then it makes people want to get together. And then is that a conflict with the whole, um, spiritual idea that, you know, we don't need all these, um, these worldly, uh, things and like the, the earthly desires and hungers and impulses. And there, so the guy who came up with the Falun Gong whole, um, system, Lee Hongju, he, um, yeah, he had a high level of this kind of mind power, and for, for whatever reason, he's able to create a whole system, uses all this geometry and stuff, and then um, he's created a whole system, which is effective for people. They're practicing practicing it, they're healing themselves, they're actually creating supernatural effects, but, you know, perhaps a lot of people have questioned him. Other Qigong practitioners have questioned this uh, Falun gone guy that maybe he was too far into the into the power zone to the God zone and that maybe if he was more um, based in his in the heart and in unity and humility that perhaps we could have avoided some disasters because you know the energies got wayward and um, some crazy things happened with with that whole system that I don't need to go into too many details but people were being killed essentially and um, yeah it's like that maybe this, this level of power, which could be an extremely high level of power that we are capable of and that we actually have inside of us. Um, perhaps it's only wise to unleash that once we've truly proven maybe a level of balance or a level of consistency or something like that. So yeah, do you have any uh, thoughts on, on that whole?
0: Yeah, well, I think, um, uh, I think just talking for myself, because the more, the more, um, I go forward, um, you know, having been a teacher of this sort of material for 25 years. I, I find myself getting more humble every year, mm. and finding, um, you know, if I can teach anything, even um, though I believe in the system that I teach, I, I, it really is more about getting people connected to their own inner teacher. Mm. And I think that um, if that is the goal, then that that's the that's that's like. Um, A very humble goal. Mm. You're not saying you have a a system that is the system, it is the way and therefore um, you know you won't get followers you know which is really really important because I think followers are very corrupting and we've seen a lot of people like Mm. Sai Baba and John of God and these amazing figures you know fall, fall, fall very far. And uh, you know, there's some some energy that just comes in with that. Uh, and I believe the following guru energy is ending now. The guru must be within. We must. Yeah. If the guru has any merit, it is to find uh, to lead you. Do you to, think that
1: that's almost just a a law of the universe that if you're going to get followers and have this level of of power or whatever, then you know there's a there's a chicken balance system that's going to come for you and test you and. Um, And and maybe these sort of outcomes will will happen.
0: Well I think there's some um, people whose names are very well known and many many whose names are not very well known but if you think of like Jesus and Buddha and and people um, who really um, achieved uh, a kind of ascension in the body Mm. they they were in a state of total humility Mm. Um, and I think um, you know Buddha didn't even want to teach he wanted to run into the hills and you know, you got drawn out and um, Jesus always said I, I can do nothing this is the Father through me meaning the universal source the, mm. the universal I am um, and uh, I think you know that we we it's almost like that the, the true teachers do not set themselves up as teachers they almost it just it just happens the energy calls to you mm. and and you find that person um, like Byron Katie who I think is a beautiful soul and she has an interesting journey and she was in a mental institution because she wanted to kill herself and then she just had this a cockroach um, crawled over her foot and she went boom she just lost the small self and moved into the larger self and she never left there she's she written some beautiful books like a, a thousand names for joy where she's um, accidentally falling and all she's so present that it's just she's experiencing falling and the floor and it, it's just a all her books kind of are portraits of someone in a total state of presence, whether you like her, her teaching her, what she calls the work or not. And she didn't put out a shingle. People just sort of found her. Mm. And I find that really interesting. And, um, you know, it's, it's like, that's the proof of somebody who's resonating, who's beaming out. And I want to talk a little bit about the chakras and, and what they mean for me, the energy centers. Um, I think, that we are all operating from our will, our solar plexus chakra, uh, that but I feel for me uh, the manifestation um, energy center is actually my pineal gland, my mm-hmm. third eye, and that's like the projector on the screen of life. And um, I find, um, although this is very good, the will and very very important for strength, um, that I'm always trying to draw the three lower chakras up into the heart. And then um, use these these top top ones here for manifestation because it means I'm going to be more in alignment with purpose and I think uh, the whole thing about yes absolutely if we don't decide our path uh, the world will absolutely impose on us and we'll be like flotsam and jetsam flopping all around but you know trying to find what our true purpose is and believing that we each have one that we each have a unique purpose I I think is very crucial Mm -hmm. that we each have an instrument to play in this great symphony of life and um, you know that you sometimes have to cry out for it and crawl through the desert you know on your hands and knees I don't know why but it seems to be that you know the universe demands some kind of sincerity or unbelievable commitment and then you start to get realizations and then often it takes a lot of courage Uh, you know I've had friends who've left left really fabulous careers Uh, Because the calling of their true purpose has been so strong and literally gone into the wilderness sometimes for years and that takes so much courage but I I think that when we start to really connect with true um, purpose which um, I believe I've been on that journey to and I've had Shifts and changes in that and I have certainly believed I've been on my true purpose and then realized it was just my personality construct operating um, again, because it can get so sophisticated and so clever Mm -hmm. Uh, It can create visions. It can do all sorts, but um, I really believe I'm now Anchored into my true purpose and I have to say my motivation and direction is like never before in my entire life It's like there is something in me that moves me so strongly I get out of bed every morning and I have to go do my work Um, and and I do it for three to four hours without ceasing and I'm pushing out stuff from somewhere I mean, it's definitely coming from the higher heart, the higher mind, and the pineal gland. Maybe other beings, or are they from the inner realm? I don't believe anything is outside of us. And I think that's really, really important, the yeah. I am presence or, or whatever. And um, so I, I think probably the journey to purpose is our, our, our most, maybe our farthest journey and our most important one. Mm. And maybe you want to chat a little bit about the journey you're just about to go on, which is very much in alignment with that.
1: Well, yeah. Um, I guess I, I've decided to I decided to leave my job, my jobs, and leave my home that I've I've been living in for five years um, with people I love, and, and really we we nourish each other so much, and I have great connections here in in Wellington. Um, yeah, so there's a lot going for me here, but um, just as you were saying, there's a there's a way of navigating. Um, uh, some people say a voice within, I think it's more of a feeling and like this for me, this was a feeling really coming from my heart, like literally a sense in my chest of kind of truth, like, um, that there would be different ways to navigate. And then there's a kind of, uh, a very fluctuating, um, voice or sort of need that that maybe that's more in in those lower centers. Um, the survival ones that's like, I want this, I need this, got to do this, got to do that. But it's always looking for some kind of gratification. But then this other voice, this other guidance and me said, you know, you have to leave your house, right? You know, you have to go into the unknown. Right. And these are things I don't want. Well, or part of me doesn't want them. So, but, but I had to be humbled to this, this aspect that was like, okay, I'm your guidance and I, and I'm going to lead you into the unknown. But, um, yeah, to trust, to trust those, um, these parts of ourselves, um, that they are there, their access to, um, good, good information and guidance. And already I've seen that it was a good decision. Like obviously I doubted myself. I tried to get very logical. I tried to get very analytical. I looked at all my life. I thought, what am I missing out on? What am I going to lose? But you know, reality, the reality has already come back to affirm me because, uh, and just in making that decision, energies have changed. My, my energies have changed. Things have opened up. People are now, people became very serious about wanting to interact with me and find time to do certain things because suddenly it's clear that I've got purpose and direction. Um, they don't know that it's, I'm just trusting myself and my inner guidance, but it's clear I've got that. And then that's, that's kind of impetus. And I think that that yet other people and other beings will are inclined to respond to that and say, Oh, well, I, I'm going to engage my purpose too while I've still got you here and let's do something meaningful. Let's do something that, um, nourishes and, um, and, and helps both of us and perhaps a lot of other people as well. So, yeah, I think there's, um, going back to the chakras. Yeah. That, um, from what I've learned through, uh, through the Tao and through yoga and, and kundalini yoga is that those lower centers are important and they're definitely parts of us and they need to be celebrated. Um, but, um, they do need to be, it's kind of more like that's your ground, that's your fuel. That's, um, that's a kind of essence, but they can't be, um, the basis for navigation. They can't be the, the whole, the whole It can't be the whole, really, that there's, um, you would be better off either coming from the center, coming from the heart or, or going from on high, going from these aspects of us that are very overarching, that, that know a lot of stuff that I don't know logically or mentally. Um, so yeah, I think there's a, there's a dialogue in here about where are we navigating from and, um, what, what's going to make your life beautiful and what's going to make your, um, what's going to bring about a good outcome or yeah and and potentially um it could be frightening to to let yourself be guided in such a way
0: Mm. that's the big dog by the way pan trying to get in um uh, i might i might bring him back home to my daughters yeah i think that and it's also such an individual journey and it's um for me, for me, kind of, it is the journey, and I and I'm aware that if I said this at, at you know at dinner with my family or whatever, that it would it wouldn't it, you know it would just be like oh my god, what on earth, um, where's where's she going with this? It has a kind of um, staring at your navel quality when you try to express it, instead of being kind of like the juice of life, which is mm. what it is for me, and because I've been on this journey. Since I was twelve, really, um, I mean, maybe maybe I should um, write something, or may- maybe you should too, Felicity. Uh, j- just kind of like there have been so many stages, like almost like in steps. Like what what's this been like being on this journey, and um, you know how many times have I have I tricked myself, and <laughs> and that's also perfectly okay too. Yeah. And how many times have I um, put the goal outside of myself, and also. Um, there's nothing wrong with having heroes and looking up to people as well, but we have to be careful. Um, we have to know uh, what I would love to teach every every child and every person is is that we do have a God self, and um, we do have a, a sacred self that is so extraordinary, so magnificent, so so empowered, and we probably we probably could step into that self in a second, but we're we're on these journeys. Uh, for better, or for worse, they're the, the stuff of um, ballads and you know wandering minstrels and all of that. It's part of the beauty of life and the poetry of life to to take to take the long road. Um, and in a way, if we if we could just step into that, you know, what would we leave behind? So I think um, more and more of us are uh, on on Earth right now are kind of curious about you know redefinition. What does it mean? Um, the science of the I am. I'm seeing that everywhere now, and you know, for the longest time, that that wasn't really anywhere, or if it was, it was kind of under, you know, misunderstood, of like somebody with a big ego, the great I am, etc. Instead of the name, the name of the God within and the activating words of power, there's definitely something happening on Earth where I'm seeing um, quite a lot of uh, profound thinking and a desire for depth. It's, it's like we've had all the candy. Um, And, you know, we've certainly been through a candy era recently where we've pretty much, um, you know, seen every extreme we can on life with um, the most severe poverty and then the most incredible privilege and the the disparity between the two. And and what I mean by candy is that it's served up in ways that disassociates us. Mm -hmm. You know, so we, we, we see these terrible things. We maybe vlog about them or... Put them on our facebook timeline but but you know what are we what are we actually doing what are we actually doing to and what can we do i mean for me it always kind of comes back to that like the old paradigm spiritual journey is you 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 bring yourself up first you bring yourself up to as far into the god zone as you can Mm -hmm. and then you follow that purpose that is for your own highest good and the highest good of all and it could mean going to india and working with children you know, which I've also wondered like why am I not being guided to do that or it could mean maybe writing books writing books that are going to reach people or it could mean um, doing this podcast that might awaken somebody somewhere who will get an idea or um, Josh and I were talking about um, You know monasteries like where you can have a monastery in certain countries where a young boy can go into the monastery get totally fed have a place to sleep, and they can come from a very poor place, like our lovely Master Jay and um, or Ji, and then, and then get all the, um, all the spiritual instruction they need to move into their own God zone. And we were kind of talking, kind of riffing on the idea of like, well, why don't we just start doing that? Why don't we start going <laughs> to various countries and creating ashrams, ashrams for people? And you know, maybe we will, or maybe somebody listening to that might say, I'm going to stop uh, being a multi-millionaire filmmaker and I'm going to go do that. So, yeah, that's a bit of a wandering response, but <laughs> what, what do you make of it?
1: Yeah, I think um, just keying into... Okay. Um, she's just going to go guide the dog to somewhere where um, he's not going to be clawing at the door if that's picking up on the mic. But um, I guess going back to... Um, these energies higher and lower and um, and the imbalances that can occur. So, yeah, we can perhaps be guided a little too much by um, fear or um, desires and hungers, um, a need to control, a need to dominate. Um, and that would be an imbalance, but, um, there's also an imbalance, which is, um, going taking too much of the high end that, um, I think as lady light was saying, where's the action, where's the embodiment? Um, so as well as coming too much from, from the, the base and thinking that the fuel and the fire is all that is that maybe be coming too much from the top, is equally an imbalance in that there's got to be some application, some kind of action and some kind of connection, um, that we we see very clearly in our, in very current times, in very real situations, there is a need for us to connect. There is a need for us to share. Um, there's a need for us to be an influence on other people's lives and to offer something and to be relatable. Um, so, yeah that that we can't really go too far in any direction without having to come back to the center and um and and then just and then try and make a connection whatever that takes to offer what we've got going on um for someone else or yeah that um i think that's a, a consideration and the the stereotype we've had in perhaps the last 20 30 years Um, it's kind of, it's more well known now, but in in the new age movement, there was this real tendency for people to go into some kind of crystal light and chakra type, you know, mind frame. And, um, but it was very ungrounded. There was no kind of, okay, well, how, how does, how do we create uh, a way to live and how do we have a positive influence on, on ourselves and others? Um, it is an interesting dialogue of how much to connect and how much to disconnect um, and sort of um when to put up the boundary and when to bring them all down and say hey i can see that this person um might need some help and they don't care about chakras and they don't care about the divine light and that's not relevant to them can i just be there um as a human being or that kind of thing that I've had a few of those instances where I've been humbled. And, um, so I you know, that's again, putting aside this, um, this strong will or assertion to be like, well, I'm doing this thing. I'm on this path. I can't have these wayward influences in my life. I can't be pulled into the quagmire of collective conscious, but then, then there is always these instances that, um, we're just moved by love, I guess, where we have to stop and, um, just ask someone how they're doing, or um, or let ourselves cry, or something. That um, there are things moving through us that's more important than our own little plans. I guess is what I'm trying to say.
0: Well, I think the whole question of service is huge, and um, you know, I think we we do we do need to find a way to live a life of service. But also, if we can do the service through our purpose, then that can service can be a joy. Mm. And I think there was a whole. You know, there's certainly been um, legacies of of um, the idea of, of giving to you burnout, which is not a model that works. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also can be a very um, meddling model where you think you can fix things. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I remember my friend Gillian who ran this beautiful place and in, and um, in Tunbridge Wells in England. And they they had this amazing place they got by kind of miraculous means, three lovely ladies. And they would bring over the Bosnian women and the Bosnian children during those really rough times. And they quickly dispelled any arrogance that they could give them anything. That these women, they would, de- they would help them go to the doctors and the dentists, but after that, these women were absolutely teaching them you know, with their indomitable spirit, their, their ability to triumph over adversity. And I, and I think that um, sometimes when we go out in the world with this savior complex, I think that's very Western. I think that's very European descent. Mm-hmm. You know, reading loads of books... Oh, <laughs> look, there's my darling baby granddaughter. Um, she'll, so, um, look, she's she's leaning up against the glass door. Oh, I might let her in. But anyway, I'll finish this. So, so um, you know, if you read books about Eastern masters, like um, uh, lovely Muktananda is so amazing, The Play of Consciousness, he is absolutely... It's guru to... Um, pupil you know and his his guru gave him the Shakti pot so he was full of the Kundalini and he went off and he had all these crazy experiences went to all the different realms and became wholly realized and that was his offering and and I really want to challenge our idea in the West that um, you know and I am challenging myself as well like what is service and sometimes you know the, the worst kind of service is, is this idea, um, which we see with some countries, of going into a country and saving it, or, or religion, missionaries going in and, you know, destroying cultures by thinking that they're saving them. So, um, you know, how do we be of service by, um, and to, I think it, first of all, has to be absolutely to relieve suffering and not to change anybody or anything. I think that's very, very important. There's, there's no imposing of ideas um, or systems on people that that can be a good thing, but yet we have people suffering um, You know through not having the very basics mm. and that that's extraordinary So um, how can we how can we create a service? In in our lives here, and, you know in this underside of the world the closest planet to um, the bottom of the world and Sorry the <laughs> closest country um, where, where we're actually doing something of service in that way and that that really plagues me um i don't know do you have any thoughts on that
1: yeah well um there is i've come to accept that there is a kind of universal law around um consent or as it as it were um free will that um yeah in the past i've i've fallen into some of those traps but thankfully not too heavily that to think that you've found something that works. Now you're going to go out and share it. And now I think that maybe I have a good solution and people should listen to me. Um, but really there needs to be this deep uh, knowledge and acceptance that every single person we've got free will for a reason. And um, so maybe it's more about cultivating uh a personality that's that's really willing to open the door for anyone to say, Hey, I have, I have information. I have things that you can do if you want to cultivate aspects of yourself, but to not be dogmatic, to not be righteous. Um, yeah. And I think that's where we started with this sort of righteous energy. Um, I think it's very compelling that to have someone who's obviously empowered and, and then you're like, wow, okay, you are full of life. You're full of chutzpah or um, some kind of charisma. Like, what are you, what are you doing? What, what method did you use to get there? But, but then going back to, it's everybody's free will, you know, to, to decide how they wanna live their life. Um, and we might drive ourselves crazy and, and really, just annoy other people, going around um, telling them, "Oh, this is what you need to do. This is the path." Yeah, sort of like, "Have you heard about our Lord Krishna?" Type thing. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. think the whole, I don't have a problem with Hari Krishnas, but maybe they lack a from from being approached on the street. Maybe there's a lack of a certain perspective to to be like, each being has free will. Each being has a unique path. How can I Offer something that's working for me without trying to impose a system on them, without trying to colonize their mind, as it were.
0: Well, for me, the you know the one way that I I do try to be of service um, is through energy work, and and even though we have our amazing quantum scientists and all the way back to our great classical scientist Einstein, um, that doing because we have we have our dog back again. Um, doing their best to inform us that we are energy and that everything is energy and that like attracts like and various frequencies and vibration of energy can entrain and shift other um, vibrations of energy. And even though we have the HeartMath Institute um, really pretty much proving that the electromagnetic field around each human spikes and affects the electromagnetic field around the earth, it still sounds really out there to talk about doing energy work, but um, I've been a student of energy work for, for many, many, many years. Um, I really don't talk about it a lot, but there, are prayer, for example, that's one of the most old-fashioned um, ways of using energy. And prayer is like a lightning bolt, Mahatma Gandhi said, and I, and I believe that's really true. It's directed energy and thought has, thought has um, mass. Thought thought can actually influence the energy fields and if you can get more to deeper sophisticated um, energy methodology and work through the I am presence of the people you're sending it to so you're not imposing your will. Because let's say somebody is very ill, um, if if you have the ability to bring healing to them by let's say you've amassed a lot of energy like the Toltec shamans or anybody working in energy a lot and knowing how to conserve energy uh, and that's all a healer is, is somebody who's able to um, store a higher quotient of energy and lend some of that energy to the person who's needing more energy to affect the shift of balance in their own biology. And um, so, to have got to remember my train of thought. So basically, if you work through the, the God-Self of that person, it's impossible to impose your human little self-will on them. Like if it's somebody you really love, you may want them to stay. But you know, that's not your um, call. Mm. And it's, and, and, but you can give them energy through their I am presence, and you can use the technologies of qualified energy, like the violet fire. Um, and you know, call the violet fire, which is the transmuting ray to dissolve cause core record effect in memory, and um, the law of forgiveness, and all these uh, ways of shifting the energy people, the energy field of people who are suffering. Because really, and I, I'm hesitant to talk about it because it sounds like you know we're privileged and it, it's, it makes me kind of a little crazy because here I am sitting in my warm place you know, talking about how to help people who maybe don't even have a home. But you know, I still believe even those people with the right technology could step into their God self and, um, and, and, and lead their people out of the desert mm. and, and know ways of bringing down the mana from heaven. Um, no, no ways of transmuting, um, you know, energy into other forms, mm. and all, all of this, and I, and I think in a way there's another kind of um, arrogance to to see them as as completely disempowered. Yeah. But it's a very thin line because it sounds, you know, we're getting into sort of um, dodgy territory here. But yeah. I think it's important to talk about Absolutely. that they also have free will, and and in a way what they what's been Kept from them is the knowledge of that, and the knowledge of how they can use their free will to connect to that source of all that is and their own inner bank and food source, etc. And um, we we've seen it happen. I mean, there's stories of um, people reaching total enlightenment in a in a in a in a, in a Iranian prison, um, you know, knee deep in muck, and they suddenly just get it, and all the all the leaves of the onion peel away, and they're right at the core, and there's that doctor, who he healed all the people in the prisons with, with water. Mm. Uh, was it just the water? What, what was going on there? Mm. So I, I think we have to have this conversation as uncomfortable as it is, Yeah. because I, I think otherwise there's a, a different kind of an arrogance saying, um, you, you know, we're the ones who are gonna save these people, uh, when really the only thing we can do is save ourselves and then share, like you say, what information we have and somehow do not become enablers by bringing, bringing, let's say Western methods in for putting a bandaid on a volcano mm-hmm. when really what should be done is teaching them the, the really high science, the sacred science, the science of electricity, the science of the God's own so that they can become one with their own presence and and get their own downloads and trusting that they'd be able to. And they don't need education. They don't need uh, the book learning or any of that stuff to be able to do it. And I think that's important to say as well. They don't need... Nobody needs any of that. If you want it, that's great. And it's fun. And, you know, we are we live in a very intellectual culture and we love our head candy. But it's, it's not necessary. You know, we can get it all from within. We don't even need... Um, we don't need one book even. Mm. And you were saying that earlier. You could just, you know... Stop, stop and just go within and we'll all be there.
1: (laughs) Yeah, well there is that maxim that all is self, that um, all this questing in the external is um, just kind of a symbol for the questing inside to look at what do I really want? And um, yeah, I wanna go back to um, two things that you are saying. The first is about this, yeah, to not assume that people And let's say perhaps in the physical, they're in a compromised situation. Maybe there's bombs being dropped in the general vicinity. Maybe there's severe economic restraints, but, um, then there's this kind of, um, and then we would make, start making assumptions. Yeah, I guess on a physical level you can say, okay, these people have access to this, these people don't have access to this. And, um, and yeah, this is getting into the dodgy territory. It's, it's get, it almost getting political. It's almost getting so many things. But what I want to talk about is the assumptions. Is to not be making these assumptions. Just to to say, oh, these are disempowered people. These are people that um, don't have their own, you know, d- divine kind of authority. These are to start. We're we're saying these things to ourselves. We're in a way. Um, the whole phrasing of it is, is creating the thing. Um, so yeah, so I don't know what a useful dialogue would be. Um, if, if a dialogue is possible between, um, people who feel that they're privileged and people who feel that they're, they're not privileged. But, um, yeah. And, um, the second thing I wanted to talk about is, um, what, what someone can do if they wanting to, um, positively affect, the world and others without being righteous and without overstepping our mark because everyone has free will. And like you said, it gets gray when we start saying everyone has free will. And then the the obvious example, people say, what about these people? Their country is highly unstable. Do they have free will? And then, yeah, it gets back into that assumption of like, oh, they don't have free will because they don't have um, all these other experiences that other people are having. But that's, that's not really my point. The thing that we can do to, that can affect is this energy work, is this prayer, I guess. Prayer is, um, I think at the very least, even, uh, even a skeptic can agree that it puts at least ourselves in the right place because we're able to use that assertion and that will and that mind power to say, this is what I want. This is what I want in the world. Um, I, I want um, the best outcome for these people whatever it is that the best outcome for them is without me assuming what the best outcome is for them, without me assuming what they want, assuming what they need. Um, and, and at least puts you in the right place within yourself to say, that's my intention. That's my direction is I want, I want, I you know, I want the best thing that can happen for these people to happen for them, but I don't, I'm not going to, um, go too far into the arrogance of saying, well, I know what that is. And I know all these people's karma and I know what's right and wrong and I know what is a good life and what's a bad life. And I know what experience these people need. And then that's, that's probably going a bit too far. Um, so, but yeah, the whole, this whole area is contentious because there would be this, um, big outcry perhaps that people working on a spiritual level or a level of energy are not doing enough, um, perhaps in the physical world. But um, yeah, I, I think it's a, it's a very interesting dialogue. And um, I, I know in my experience, if I can see people suffering, then I can send these prayers. Um, I'm not so much doing it on a global scale. I'm doing it with people I can know and see and observe. And um, I think when they, if they interact with me, and then I know that I've said that it's my intention, It can really help, Um, say, if we have conflict with someone um, for whatever reason, we can realign ourselves internally. We can say, okay, you know, I'm going to surrender to the situation. I'm going to surrender to whatever it takes for us to have peace, for us to have harmony and to just feel into that and then go back to this person and then, and then start the dialogue again and, and really see what happens, you know, was that prayer wasted? I don't think it was. Because there seems to be other aspects of ourselves that are very receptive, and they, they are they want that outcome that you've decided on and asserted.
0: Well, I think that's very true. I think if we if we offer ourselves as as uh, people of service, then, mm. then things start to synchronicity starts to come in and things start to happen. Yeah. I also had a thought um, that I think it's very important to. Um, well, for me, I, I think there is some a lot of merit in being in your own backyard. Mm-hmm. like um, the, uh, the new project I'm working on for young adults has a component um, for to help young people who are being drawn to suicide, which is huge in our country, which is this beautiful, amazing country we live in. Um, and it's huge around the world too. Young people, I, I'm, my theory uh, which was actually supported by this amazing Aboriginal elder that I met at a gathering who was got rid of hundred um, percent of suicide in her iwi, in her tribe by getting rid of all the adults getting all the young people in a room and um, doing things like making um, totem animals and dream catchers but not calling them spiritual just like play and fun and letting them talk letting them share letting them have community and I think a lot of children are coming in that are very aware and the, these builders of the new world. And they're not necessarily finding anyone who, and they're very sensitive, they're very empathic. And they're not finding anybody to, um, you know, to share this worldview with. And they're, they're getting anxious. And then maybe they're getting bullied and then, then, then it becomes really quite tragic. So, um, so that's, that's the lovely dog who's cheering on himself now, they so will let him in. But um, basically, so within what you're doing, um, you can you can create an avenue to be helpful, and you know I'll see where that goes and and um, keep you posted, keep it posted on the podcast. But what I think a lot of things that can help children, and I was also a teenager who was probably pretty at risk, for sure, Um, and I think creativity was one of the things that really saved me. And that's kind of what this Aboriginal elder was saying. And I think a lot of the talk therapy just goes right over these kids' heads. You know, I don't think it's really, really doing them a lot of good. They need to um, be able to express their big emotions and do creative work. So I think maybe bringing that whole idea of service and um, how do we create balance in the world we live in, um, you know, keeping it local is a really good thing, like you were saying. And it's just sort of like, what is needed in our communities? Maybe in our local community or in our community of New Zealand, which is where we've been placed. Mm. What can we do? What can we do to make it um, better here? What things can we... Um, I mean, you, you're you really loving making beautiful food. I mean, that's a that's a service, you know, to make beautiful, consciously prepared food. I think it doesn't need to be... I think we often forget to look at the details, to look at the smaller gestures uh, and that just like you've got that phrase, death by a thousand cuts, you can also have, let's say, salvation by a thousand blessings, like a tiny, tiny things that we can do every day and, um, you know, making the lives of everyone around us a little bit better by trying to listen better. Like my granddaughter says, you know, Grammy, you're always in another dimension, like you're not really listening to me. And I'm like, I am, I am, you know, how do I just focus, really focus on her, be really present for her? Mm. Because she's a world beater, and I'm an influence in her life. Mm. So you know, how do I really you know, kick myself in the proverbial and be there for her in those little ways? And really, if we can't be doing that to our families and our communities, uh, we've got to start there, we've got to start there. And then if it's meant to get bigger, the guidance will come, as we're yeah. continually calling out for that guidance
1: yeah um absolutely that there is um there'd be a level of service there and and um just enabling people i'm not enabling in the in the negative connotation but in supporting uh especially young people that um there is a sentiment that all these kids that are coming in now they must, be, they must have what it takes to change the world because this is the time that the world seems to be changing rapidly. And uh, we seem to be in the midst of a big shakeup to be like, okay, what, what is, a, what is a society that actually functions look like? And that's a real question. And it needs a real answer, not theoretically, but in terms of implementation. So it would make sense that children who will be pioneering this world and living in this world, more so than us, I think we're probably just breaking the big rocks on top Um, they, they, they're going to do that because that's, this is the time of life they're in. And, um, so yeah, maybe we can get outside of ourselves a bit and then say, okay, I'm going to support these kids. I'm going to hold space for them. I'm going to offer them the kind the, you know, the opportunities that maybe I didn't have, um, give them the tools that I didn't have until I was 27 or something, you know, that, um, maybe we can really be of service just by being there and, um, kind of as a, as a positive presence, as a calming presence, a supportive presence. Um, and that, that could be a kind of service. We don't know what the outcome is, but we do know that we're a stabilizing kind of pillar and, um, that, that could be very powerful. Um, you know, there, there is a saying that, um, all the children are our children, um, because, that's kind of how this whole game works is we're we're endlessly generating, regenerating, rebirthing process. So as a species, if we look at ourselves as a species or one organism, then where should our focus be? Should it be on tweaking this whole economic game endlessly with the same really result again and again? Uh, I don't think so. Maybe it should be on raising and empowering Children who grow into fully fully grown fully empowered beings and then they form the basis of the society and then they can further refine the whole process of of creating space for and um, and nurturing again the next generation of children who grow into even more empowered beings but I mean, it seems almost too simple or too obvious that um, We would look right past that. Yeah.
0: Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a good um, a really good sentiment and just trying to be more, more of value. Locally, and um, share what we've got.
1: Mm. Well, that's uh, that's probably mostly what we wanted to cover, and a bit more mm. it was a bit meandering. Um, I want to thank everybody for tuning in. All of our uh, our love and our. Our good intentions and vibrations your way, um, yeah. And please, if anyone um, enjoy the show, leave us a comment. And um,
0: or if anyone has any ideas along yeah. these lines, please let us know. Any, you know, let's let's open up the dialogue and exactly, yeah. You know, what are you guys all doing out there? Let us know.
1: It's it's it's, uh, it's so much more valuable as a conversation. Although we're always happy to come in and um, and give our two cents on the on the matter, we th- we love this but yeah, if you want to get involved um, then please uh, reach out
0: so that's the Gnosis Hour for today and we actually did an hour today, <laughs> so um, lots of love from Lady Light and
1: and from Philly C and yeah. see you soon
0: lots of love, bye